Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. I'm having a we've already had a great chat. We've only been chatting for 10 minutes here. I'm talking with Craig Hess and Laura Busis from State Corporate Training. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am really good. Thanks for you guys reached out to me a few weeks ago and with the with the simple goal of wanting to tell the story about the great work that State's doing. I'm a huge advocate of you guys. And also getting it out there and exposing it to more people, which is what this show is all about, to what's going on. And this buzzword of digital transformation, like I'm going to call it a buzzword. I love it, but man, it gets thrown around and it gets, I think, has a lot of different meanings. So really understanding kind of what you guys do in your role. So maybe let's start with kind of what is State's corporate training program, and then we'll kind of work backwards into you know the digital transformation story and where you guys kind of key focus is right now. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first here. Yeah. So I'm Craig Hess. I lead up state corporate training. I'm the director of, of the corporate training department. And um, we have a group of individuals that go out and work with industry and work with companies to help them essentially prepare their workforce for the future of work. Do they have the right skills on base? Do they have the right uh, attitudes and mindsets around how to embrace change and, and move forward? So you talk about digital transformation being a maybe a catchphrase, you know, I think state corporate training has always been helping organizations transform how they, how they, um, how they head out into the workforce or sorry, how they head out into the world and make sure that they're capitalizing in their productivity. Uh, and Laura, who I'll uh, turn it over to in a sec here is very much integral in leading our efforts in terms of what are the new areas we need to be focused on. And digital is clearly her focus right now. Yeah. Thanks, Craig. I, uh, you know, I kind of came into this journey and I've been with State for, for a long time. And uh, I, I came into this journey because I kept hearing from organizations how they were implementing technology and, and uh, struggling with just how to kind of mobilize their people. And, and it got me really interested in, and, you know, how do we help uh, workforces prepare for enabling technology and innovation. Um, and then I, I basically, you know, irritated Craig and other leaders long enough to let me focus on, you know, what, what are the skill sets that we need to help enable digital transformation? And and so, you know, I'm really honored to actually be able to be part of, you know, figuring out what the pro- programming looks like that we can offer to uh, organizations uh, to be able to help them go through their their business transformations. I think that's, I like to unpack that a little bit. We'll we'll get into definitely the actual what companies are going through now and, you know, how much change is coming at them and how fast. But, you know, Craig, you and I chatted when we first got on, like September, typically an exciting time. People are coming back to school, back to campus, getting re-engaged. But those programs that you guys are offering now, they didn't get spun up last week. I was assuming like, I'm just going to walk me through a little bit of like, how far back do we need to go? Like, because you guys are predicting the future a little bit, right? Because it takes you time to build a curriculum. It takes you time to build something, inputs from industry. So maybe, Laura, from your perspective, how far, if you look at programs that are maybe kicking off now, and we can share some of those, anything new that you guys are doing, how far back does the planning cycle and the information gathering start to be able to deliver a program at the beginning of September or like literally last week? Yeah, for sure. So traditionally we've, you know, we've had a very long process to curriculum development. Traditionally we would go to industry. We would say, what do you guys need? They would tell us, we would go through a whole design process. You know, if it's a credit program, 
we get approval from the government and then you know it comes out a few years later uh, and a few years after that then we say here's your here's your graduates and the skills that you told us that you needed i mean obviously with the pace of change right now that's not feasible and with how fast technology is changing that's not feasible either so what we've done is we've changed uh we've turned uh um, curriculum development a little bit on its head and we've adopted some agile approaches and, and use, we're using uh, sprints to be able to iterate and come out fairly quickly with an MVP. Um, we're we're kind of eating our dog food, so to speak, in terms of what we're preaching <laughs> organizations should do in terms of digital transformation. I pre- no, I really, I really appreciate yeah, that. <laughs> we're, we're opening the doors to co-create with industry. We're, we're getting them to help us uh, at every stage in the, in the path because we know you know, we know that, um, you know, they've, they've made advancements in terms of how they're utilizing technology that they can share with us, others and they're willing to share with others. And so we're at the stage now where we're looking at kind of the, the cycle from, you know, concept to an MVP being, you know, just a, a, a few months. Um, so uh, when I, uh, started spinning up, I guess, some of the programming efforts that we're doing in terms of the the different streams we're developing. We actually started putting the team together in February, and we're looking to launch okay. uh, programs fairly quickly. We've already been through pilots on a, on a couple um, a couple of different programming areas, and we're looking to roll those out fairly quickly. So we're looking to be at, uh, fast and agile as well in terms of the the. Um, programs that we're rolling out. Historically, anything that we delivered had to be built at SAID, right? And we have now become much more open to partnering, looking outside of SAID to bring in curriculum, to bring in programming that we can spin up much faster because we don't necessarily have to be the experts on all the content that we're creating. Where SAID is the expert is that we have facilitators and instructors that do and have done what they are delivering. So if they have the, the content and the curriculum that can help them take that information and facilitate those sessions with industry or facilitate those sessions with our clients, that is where the power in our programming comes from, is that we have essentially facilitators combined with world-class curriculum and combined with um, curriculum that exists from different partners like IBM, Amazon. Uh, we recently partnered with the Blockchain Guru Group on some programming there that we can bring the best of that together and uh, really try and turn around much quicker programming. <clears throat> Organize- That's an interesting concept. Yeah, when you think of the, the concept of if core competencies and you know, what, are we, what are we the best at? And what I heard there loud and clear was in the past, in the past we, we believed or our model was to be the best at everything. We were the best at coming up with the curriculum. We were the best at delivering it. But what I heard loud and clear from you as a core comp, if we're doing our kind of strat plan and what are we, what are we going to really kill it at, that ability to deliver and facilitate, I heard loud and clear. So the fundamental world of education, not forgetting that education also is a business, has sounds like it's become a lot more collaborative just to match like back to being customer centric of what your actual end users, the students in whatever scope they are actually need. That's a, is that, is that happened quickly and all of a sudden, or has that been a general progression of the world of education over the last few years? I, you know, I'm going to say it's been a bit of both and I don't mean to be uh, trying to cover all bases <laughs> with the answer there, but again, so my back. Craig's, Craig's being cagey with his answer. <laughs> no, I, I, I spent 17 years in pharmaceutical and medical device uh, sales and marketing before I came to SAIT. And so I've seen all sorts of speed and different processes in terms of getting product to market. 
And uh, spending the last five years at SAIT, you know, you make a big switch into a publicly funded post-secondary space. Um, industry, you know, used to come to us and say, we're going to need these skills in five years. Industry is now coming to Satan saying, what skills are we going to need? And so, oh, that's- right, there's, there's a fundamental shift there in that we have to be able to do both, right? We have to be able to try and work with industry to address their needs on that short term, or in some cases, a more medium long term view in, ter- in terms of skill set. But to your point around the changing speed of technology, um, and frankly, the, the COVID interruption, we've had to be much more nimble and agile in trying to spin up programming quickly in response to that. So there's, there's a bit of both going on. I don't know, Laura, what would you? Yeah, I would agree. I think there's a general recognition that nobody has figured it all out. And there's, no. there's, a, there's a, a willingness to work together as a community to figure it out and figure out how to, how to go forward. I mean, at the same time, we're also very, very cognizant that anything we put out has to be a value and, and has to, yeah. you know, ha- have a bit of a return on the bottom line. So there's a, there's a bit of a balance there. You know, when we're working with the industry to put together these programs, we're very clear that, you know, that is an iterative process and, and we're committed, but at the same time we also know that we need to deliver on on value and and making sure that people's time and efforts when they're when they're going through training is is well spent because it's an investment and like what you know not just money but the most valuable investment we can all make is our time (laughs) it's the one thing we you always make more money but you can't make more time laura you mentioned this morning you just you you know you came on the call you were you had Mm -hmm. some good energy and you, you just came out of a collaborative session with industry are those happening is there like is that i'm assuming i'm making assumptions here that the pace of those interactions and the pace of the getting in the same room with industry obviously that must be a lot more that must be a lot more frequent than it was even a couple of years ago because they're realizing as well they can't they can't wait yeah absolutely and we've been you know incredibly grateful for the generosity of industry to come to the table and talk about uh, their needs and and how they see the programs and how they see state fitting in and and just their opportunities um, you know so I know since February we've uh, you know I've probably had almost you know daily conversations with folks from industry but the team has actually supported industry design sessions at least once a month since then where we brought groups together to talk about what training programs are needed and what they should look like um, so we're very very dedicated to that sort of co-creation process within industry. Um, And the other thing we're very, very interested in and what we hear over and over again, and I heard it again today is, is how can we better tell our stories? And, you know, kudos to you, Tyler, because you've done a great job at highlighting uh, Albertans and some of the work that we've been doing. But we're also hearing that's a that's a very important part of the training process is that that ability to tell our stories in Alberta, the stories of the successes of, you know, maybe some of the stuff that didn't go so well and the journeys that people have had through implementing technology and and creating innovation within their organization. So, you know, what we're finding is that they're very, very interested in coming to the table to help support each other in terms of telling those stories. That's powerful to hear. And thank you very much for the kind comment. And that was part of the real impetus for the show is like, there's too many great things going on and nobody's like, and these two people are across the street from each other and they don't know each other's story. Like we, we definitely are just too much get her done kind of, you know, head down, ass up. 
uh, very, very much the Canadian slash Albertan way. Anyway, so and this is not to call anybody out, good or bad. Maybe good always, but is there? Are you seeing different industries? Like, are all industries coming to the table equally? Like, are you seeing the resource sector? Are you seeing ag? Are you seeing health, life sciences? Like, is everybody in those rooms, that, or is there certain industries that you're seeing that there's a little bit more of an appetite or a drive or a need? Like, who's who's not at the table and who is? And how you know what 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 effect could that be having in the long term? If we fast forward five years from now, this is the conversations you're having need to have longer term impact on our on our economy. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got, uh, I would say every industry in Alberta at the table and I would I would include we've had ag, uh, not not for profit at the table. Um, Energy obviously has been has been there. Uh, um, Hospitality, um, you know, it, it goes on and on. And the interesting thing is, is that some industries are a little bit farther ahead in terms of uh, adopting technology and innovation. And what's what I'm finding interesting and incredibly inspiring is that they're coming to the table to say, here's what we've learned and we know we're farther ahead. And we feel that, you know, we've learned some stuff along the way that can help some other organizations who are not so far along uh, go through the journey and we can help kind of fast track them through the process. So, you know, what I find really great is, is we've got industries coming to the table saying, here's where our challenges are. Uh, we've got some unique challenges in terms of adopting uh, technology and innovation. And then we've got other industries who, who've been a little bit more nimble and had, you know, um, who are a little bit farther ahead, who are coming to the table to say, okay, well, here's what we found worked. Here's what we found didn't work. And, and don't make the same mistakes. And let's see if we can kind of help you along uh, just even by sharing our stories or, uh, you know, even sharing ideas of applications that sometimes are, you know, uh, work across industries. So, you know, we're, we're really, really lucky in terms that, you know, state is quite agnostic in terms of the industries we serve. We're, we're interested in Albertans. Um, and so we're able to kind of bring them together from a variety of, of angles and perspectives to have those conversations. It gives me a lot of hope to hear you talk about, like, to be honest, for a lot of years, people only told their shiny stories. <laughs> Nobody told about the story where the project did not meet expectations set out by the leadership or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because we learn so much more for our failures and it's so cliche, oh, celebrate our failures until you have to really do it. So to hear that you've got companies willing to step forward and say, hey, we tried this thing and 20% of it worked, the other 80% was a disaster. So don't step on these landmines over here. To me, that is such good learning to like, there's always somebody who's gone down the path before you, but it's getting getting them to be honest with you and getting them in the room. So to hear gives me a lot of hope for our ability to move forward faster because we're willing to learn from each other's mistakes. And the same group doesn't have to make the same mistakes over and over again in different, you know, in different areas. Well, and it's not only that, uh, from my perspective, the things that I found the most inspirational is leaders own personal journeys of pushing through innovation within their organizations. And, you know, we had, um, you know, one guest speaker who, who just resonated so much with me where he talked about just not being liked in his organization because he was, he was trying to do things differently and he was disrupting uh, people and he knew that it needed to be done. He knew that it was important for the industry, important for his organization, but he had to, you know, actually he encountered some little personal and professional risk associated with that pushing that forward and I think you know that's what I found the most compelling is you know talking about you know how do we support people through this process and and you know really face that 
man, it's scary, right? It's it's scary and it's it's hard to push this through in organizations. And and you know, I, I think I really appreciate it's even those those personal journeys that you know really kind of uh, it, it's easy for people to really sort of identify with those stories. Well, and it's so easy talk about digital transformation is almost this nameless like corporate corporation a did this at the end of the day there's a bunch of humans going through their own mm-hmm. stuff and sometimes getting some arrows in their backs like you know it's all easy for us you you know three of us sitting here talking about change and absolutely drive forward and disrupt the status quo and go against your culture until you're the poor person <laughs> doing that <laughs> it's a very different totally yeah. Sure, sure. Run over there. I think it's okay. You might get shot. I don't. I don't know. I think it's okay. Don't. Don't worry. We really support you from over here behind the wall. Well, and we're even to an extent somewhat living that ourselves internally. Not not that we're taking a lot of arrows, but you know, we are mm-hmm. through the work that Laura is doing, leading the development of the transformation uh, programming. Uh, we've taken a different approach. We've taken a different approach with curriculum development. That's. Uh, challenge some of our structures and thoughts internally as to how we proceed on those type of, so it's, it's almost a story within the story where we're uh, living the experience that we're going to try and work with our clients on helping them experience and live with. If you want to, when you talk about, yeah, no, I really appreciate you said that, Craig, because it's good to really just step back and you guys are there helping facilitate change. But if you look at academia and the way it's been done and there's article after article being written about the education system is changing, it's being tipped on its head. It's like the old way is done. And that there, you guys, you're into you guys being your, your sector is there's no endless amounts of sound bites talking about how it's going to be changed. It's done. It's disrupted. The old way is over for all the, you know, all of what that means. So you are definitely, I'm assuming, right in the eye of your own storm as well, while, while simultaneously, it's probably inspiring for you to go out there because you can get in the room and actually be part of, literally be part of the conversation, not just a facilitator. Oh, yeah. It's, I think, like I say, the work that Laura's doing and the, the people that she's bringing to the table in terms of the development of these programs is where she's living that every day. Like they like say, I, yeah, I echo the thanks to industry that we have seen through the development of this program, because it has been phenomenal just to see the depth of individual and companies coming to the table. And then just the breadth of industry that is represented. It's, it's one of the great things about SAID is, is how well supported by industry it is. And which is so, so critical based on this rapid change, the need for like spooling things, spinning up these MVPs really, really quickly because companies, it's hard to plan for the future. We like the future that we've never experienced, which is cliche, of course, but it's, and it's happening at a pace that, like you said, here's something we're going to need in five years. Barely these companies don't know necessarily where even the technology they're implementing is going to end up as it's evolving five months from now, let alone five years from now. Yeah. So back to Oh, sorry, go no, ahead, I, was, I was just going to say, and it's it's interesting because the technology piece, um, maybe, and that's where we're heading, is is sometimes not so nearly as important as the people side of it, right? As we've touched on, technology is just a piece that helps you either scale or grow or do business differently. Uh, that, yes, that's, it's a tool. It's an underpinning. It's not necessarily its own thing, right? right. <laughs> So thinking about that from that perspective, and obviously you guys have a unique perspective, unique position on it because you're now working with industry, you're hearing what's going on. So digital transformation, as we mentioned earlier, great buzzword. So from your guys' perspective, like when you think about digital transformation, if you were going to sit down with a company that's really like, you know what, 
just going to really start embracing this kind of what's your checklist or what are some of the things that you guys have seen that, you know, this is kind of the order or how you need to start approaching it with your organization. You definitely mentioned some people, but is there a little bit of like, this is kind of how you've been seeing it unfold, like get into a little bit more of the tactical side of digital transformation at a, at an organizational level. Sure. I can, I'll, I'll go, I'll throw a couple things out there to start with. And I know Laura's here to probably layer on or correct me, but uh, you know, it's kind of, um, <laughs> Uh, it, it, there's really three three things that organizations need to think about and what we see, you know, is leadership, right? Do they understand the why they're going to go through the transformation and can they articulate that within their group, right? If you can't, if that can't be done right out of the gate, doesn't matter what technology you're going to invest in, it's not going to be successful. So leadership is key. Mindset. So how are you going to get folks on the same page and move forward? And then identifying the skill set that you need. Right. When you boil it down that way, it all seems really simple. But the layer of complexity <laughs> in, in each of those steps, you know, leadership, mindset, skill set, um, that's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, that change I'm hearing kind of seeing change management, like which is all, again another term that's easy to throw around that I think people find exhausting because the pace a friend of mine said to me the other day, we're talking about even my organization. She's like, Have you really identified like what kind of change fatigue you're dealing with? And I'm like, as a leader, you're kind of going forward and you're always pushing for what's the next thing, but forgetting sometimes the just sheer change fatigue that your team is going through. That's a very, in a, in an unprecedented the last seven months when all aspects of our lives were turned upside down, literally. Yeah. And I mean, we've recognized that, you know, we, we talk about change management and the need to change, but, you know, at the same time too, we're also trying to reframe how we're thinking about change management in terms of mm. it shouldn't be something that's imposed on you. It should be something that if you enable people to have the right mindset and look for the opportunities, then it's something that's enabling and empowering versus something that's imposed on you. And and we really think that this is what's kind of needed in terms of, you know, shifting cultures right now, because we're all tired. I mean, we've taken multiple hits over several years now. Everybody's tired. We're tired of change. We're tired of pivoting. I hate to use that word. And so how, how can we now kind of like shift the thinking to say, okay, let's empower folks. Let's empower our talent talent. Let's empower leaders to do what they need to do. And I know it sounds very kind of philosophical and, and maybe a bit Pollyanna, but I, I truly believe that there's there's a bit of a groundswell of conversation in the province right now where we're saying, okay, you know, what do we do to kind of help our people kind of get out of the doldrums and see the opportunity in what's going on right now? And, and this is what really the team is aspiring to do. We're not aspiring to take people through another change and another change management process. We're aspiring to take people through a process that will help them see the opportunity in, in terms of the situation that we're in. It's so, I know, and I do appreciate the philosophy behind it because you can be very logical and structured and this is the way it is and we're just going to do it. But, you know, I think you guys, you, you and I, the three of us talked about it a little bit even the first time we met, the human cost and the human journey of all this. I had a, I had a coach say to me years ago for our first session, he goes, so Tyler, you know, as a leader, what do you think your number one role is? And I'm like, oh, well, this is a pretty profound question. So like, <laughs> I don't know. And I'm like, over, I'm clearly overthinking it. And he looks at me, and goes, hope. If you don't instill hope in the people that you're leading that tomorrow will be better than yesterday, then you're not really doing your job. And what I heard a lot in what you said, that hope of like, oh, another change management process, like, no, we're actually going to do this or we're actually going to support you. It sounds so easy to dismiss and fluffy, but it's very real as a bunch of humans <laughs> running around having an experience, right? Yeah. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think, you know, just the the process of how we're building the training is as important as the training. Um, because I think, you know, engaging industry to be part of the process um, and in, involving people to be part of the process of, you know, how do we kind of craft how we build our skill sets is almost just important as, as, as you know, putting people through the programming. Because I think what, what we all need to see is that there's some positive stuff happening right now and we're all working towards you know making things better for us all so you know for us you know involving people throughout the process of creating the training and identifying the skills and having those conversations was you know really just as important as you know whatever we come out with i appreciate not being like not the outcome isn't by itself the only success of of the of the process, which is so easy to become outcome focused, or like once we have the thing, then it'll be good. Like like taking into consideration what can be learned along along the journey, which is so so easy to forget when you're we're all chasing the next meeting, the next objective, or the next quarterly, or whatever the case whatever the case may be. So on a, on a real like nuts and bolts kind of perspective, and you guys can answer this from the from the side of what you're doing as an organization. So what tools, I guess let's do it this way. What tools are, is, is SAID engaging with in this suite of AI, machine learning, VR, augmented reality, blockchain, uh, like all of the different things that are going on, like even as as you're thinking about how your business, your, your you as an organization is delivering services, is there certain technologies that you guys are seeing kind of rising to the top or that are maybe starting to become a little more usable? Like, because they're all interesting, but which ones, you know, tools or toys, I've heard it said that way, which ones are actually starting to show up as practically like we can solve problems with these things? <laughs> silence, <laughs> silence falls over, well, silence falls I over guess, the crack. Yeah, the gears turning. Both of them have, both of them are, their brain is dead. They're thinking right now. Yeah, you guys can't yeah. see the video, but there's a lot of thinking going <laughs> well, on. Well, right no, I was just waiting to see if Craig was going to jump in. No, that's fine. I, I, uh, uh, so, so my, from my perspective, <laughs> I, I think there's huge opportunity within blockchain, uh, both for education and for industry overall. I think, uh, you know, overall, it's, you know, uh, blockchain has immense opportunity to to you know create uh, advantages and and you know in terms of uh, personal identity and single source identity and and supply chain uh, which we're heavily invested in in the province you know I think you know the barrier is a minimum viable ecosystem there but I see a lot of great movement there and I think because it is so embryonic right now within the province I think there's there's a lot of opportunity um, and particularly with education so we were the first uh, post-secondary to put our credentials on blockchain and you know i think it's just a matter of timing and and i think we're we're going to see a lot of movement in terms of how blockchain is used to um to create efficiencies uh particularly as it relates to to supply chain and, and identity um i'm also very very watching very closely uh ai and ml i mean everybody has has been talking about ai a lot mm-hmm. and how that can be uh leveraged you you know, we're a very data-rich province. Um, and, you know, I think once we start figuring out how do we best leverage that data to uh, to util- utilize uh, machine learning and AI and, and just the, the expertise we have in the province, I think we've barely begun to discover how we can do that. So, yeah. you know, I'm also very interested in and been watching that. 
Um, and, and, you know, kind of it, uh, connected to that is IoT. So, you know, in terms yeah. of our expertise yeah. on, on how we track data and implement sensors, I mean, you know, our industries are very, very knowledgeable in, in terms of that data collection and sensors and, um, uh, you know, the, the foundations of IoT. And I know we have a very, very strong IoT community. So, you know, the um, Alberta IoT Association has been great, making like great strides over the last few months in terms of how they're pulling together that community and ramping up sort of our, our uh, collective knowledge around IoT. So I think just the the connectivity and and leveraging what we know about connectivity is going to be um, is going to be something to be reckoned with in the future as well. I really liked how you tied those tied those back to like what do we actually have in this province? What are we good at? And where does it like the amount of data we have, the amount of sensors that we have, our ability to collect that data? I do like you know there's technology for the sake of technology, but like trying to understand where are we at and what are some of the assets and things we can capitalize on that feels a lot more realistic for getting there faster kind of mindset. So I appreciate the way you kind of tied those back to what is this province really good at or what have we been doing for a long period of time, collecting a lot of data, using a lot of sensors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I am seeing, I am seeing a lot of organizations who are taking sort of that uh, sort of heritage knowledge, if I could use that term and applying it mm-hmm. to different applications and in different industries. And, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think the current situation we're in is forcing people really to think about their markets and and their their how they're leveraging technology in different areas, given their their kind of foundational expertise. And you know, I am seeing you know some you know there's a there's a lot of different ways of looking at how do you apply technology and how do you leverage your data and and how do you leverage maybe the byproducts of what you originally were um, were working on. So you know, it's there's a lot of great innovation going on in that space. So you know, I. I, I just see that just growing more and more. Yeah. Oh, I, sorry, Craig, we, we, we didn't let you get a word in there. <laughs> it's okay. It's, I'm enjoying the conversation. It's great to be at this moment. Hey, step one, as long as the three of us enjoy the conversation, typically the audience likes it too. So that's my first objective. Nailed it. We nailed so it. I was, I was going to take a different tack and just, just kind of come back to the whole concept of virtual learning or virtual reality and AR um, just from the standpoint of workforce development and talent development. Um, you know, clearly before COVID, we were seeing huge transitions in terms of how organizations were training their people. You know, you'd see the rise of LinkedIn Learning, Udemy, et cetera, et cetera. You know, good, great platforms, good content on some of those platforms. Uh, it's a very passive form of learning, right? So how do we start moving forward? And, and we've, I, I'll say, we've had some successes in some areas and some challenges in some areas with the move to virtual learning, uh, you know, this is usually where I motion to the screen and somebody can see me waving at the camera saying, this is how we're now teaching. Um, yes. Right. But how organizations are rapidly making that change and making that demand for the change to virtual learning. So how do we start as post-secondary uh, bringing in different means of delivering training to individuals and to organizations? Say so it used to be and still is, you know, fantastic at that face-to-face uh, what I would call active learning, where you're hands-on with um, equipment and labs where that is needed. Some of uh, our greatest uh, programming is in the area of leadership development, which has always been in that face-to-face environment and now is changing mm-hmm. and will continue to change as we 
roll out digital programming. So it's how do we start shifting those investments into those areas that help bring that great facilitation to life in areas that aren't necessarily face-to-face anymore. Right. And understanding like, like anything, I think there's always a tendency to be like, Oh, once we start virtual, everything is going to go that way. Everything typically over time ends up being a blend of, of, of old versus new of like what, you know, talking about the lab environment, there's a point where, you know, just oversimplify, you need your hands on the tools or you need to be across from somebody and and have that experience, whether it's a negotiation or whatever it is, but then how do we, how do we kind of supplement or support or diverge and go, okay, what's best suited for face-to-face and what's best suited for virtual. And to me, I see it much more as a hybrid future. And there's always a tendency to go all in on one thing, go, well, yeah, maybe, but that part didn't work. So let's, let's bring it back. But so easy. We, as humans, I think we love to uh, apply so much like the magic answer. The next thing is always the magic answer. Well, usually it's always ends up being a blend in my experience. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're even seeing that right now after six months and a day of, uh, working from home, um, you know, we were seeing even a desire within our own teams for more face-to-face interaction, just to have that social piece back. Like you can't, you can't sit and do zoom meetings all day long without going a little crazy. No, it is a whole different, and I, I, we're, we're still social animals at the end of the day, yeah. like, you know, years and years of evolution and the big, it's just understanding the role, like even, you know, we're out of our office right now, but what roles that can play and we're remote first, but being in the room is going to have value. So let's understand what that means. And what if someone isn't going to be in the room when everyone else is, does that mean that they all of a sudden now feel excluded, which kind of used to maybe happen in the past with the one random team member who was on the zoom call while everyone was else in the room, that wasn't a good experience for them. <laughs> you know, I think there's so much, I think technology can do to augment those experiences. And, you know, certainly for me, a lot of it is TBD out. I just, it's still, still, still to be determined of what that looks like in the next 12 to 24 months as my, my crystal ball sits very cloudily <laughs> on the corner of my desk. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think the next year is going to be fascinating to see what sticks, what doesn't, and what evolves. Because I think we're yeah. yes, we're there's going to be some there's going to be some great innovation that comes out of this, and there's you know we've already I'm sure we're already running into things that we um, don't like and can't wait for them to disappear again once it's all. <laughs> I think I think that list is getting longer yes. and longer by 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 the by the day when it comes to the what the the COVID world has been. So. From your guys' perspective, maybe I always love to leave. And you know, my hope is that we've got some leaders, mid-level managers, people in organizations at all levels listening, going, "Okay, hey, this is something I need to like." Obviously, digital transformation is hitting us; it's happening. Uh, pointers, tips, thought process, like you did. You know, I appreciate your little leadership mindset, skill set. I guess if you were going to speak to somebody and they're like, "Hey, we're really thinking about going down this road and bringing in a bunch of new programs and thinking about innovation." Any, any, how should they approach it or any advice from your guys' perspective? Because you're clearly in these conversations every day on what's the best step one, step two, step three to even get this moving at your organization. Is it, re- is it re- reaching, is it reaching out to say, oh, there's a blatant plug for you guys and having a conversation, oh. having a conversation, like let's start yeah, with the chat. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, for us, I mean, we would always recommend that, you know, before you kind of dive down this path of thinking about digital transformation is make sure that your workforce and your, your talent strategy is, is there, or at least that you know that you need to do that. We, we'd hate to see organizations go down the path of let's invest a bunch of money in technology and then have it be a painful or unsuccessful process because they're, they're, they don't have a, a, a strategy for their talent or making sure that that 
they have that sort of culture of innovation um, uh, and the mindset to be able to to go through that change. Um, so, you know, our recommendation would be to, you know, have a chat where we're willing to come to the table and say, you know, here's what we've seen with other organizations. Here's what we say, what we think the skill sets are needed to actually embrace technology and and a, and a, and a digital change. And, and, you know, we can certainly help training both from the perspective of the mindset and the skill set um, uh, perspective. Um, and we're also, you know, we're also kind of, we'll ask the question, like, are you sure the technology that you want to implement is the right one? So one of the courses that we're rolling out is called uh, Digital Solutioning, which actually takes leaders through the process of envision, like, you know, holding up their problem or opportunity against different technology options to even make sure that they're, they're um, you know, thinking about it right and not starting with the technology. They're starting with, okay, well, let's let's have a, a bit of a, a brainstorming session on what does what does a, a good solution look like? And we've developed a little bit of a framework for that. And we've got folks at the table that can help uh, take them through programming like that. So that's how we're trying to think about things differently. And that's what we'd encourage uh, folks to um, to do if they're if they're looking at um, going through a bit of a, a technology um, solution. I appreciate the, your comment. I was going to ask that because there is, is this, is this even, do we, you know, what's the old joke? If I had six, an, an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 59 minutes understanding the problem. Then I'd spend one minute solving it. And with technology, it's so easy to lead with the tech because yeah. <laughs> it's so pop. It's so popular right now. It's so trendy. Like you're not wrong to, to try to do something with technology, but it might not be the right tech for the right problem or the right. problem's not or, or you might not understand how the technology needs to be integrated with other technologies to be able to be successful in the impact to that. And so, you know, one of the things we're really focused on, on in terms of our leadership and digital solutioning programming is what's the integrations that you need to think about before you kind of dive into that. All of your other legacy items, right? That are, that are already yeah, operating. Absolutely. So, you know, so there's a lot to unpack there, but at the end of the day, if you have that mindset to kind of head into it and you, and you're thinking about it in, in sort of, I guess, uh, um, a sort of an open way, there's, there's a lot more opportunity for you to be successful as you go through that process. Yeah. And the, the, you know, the, the other piece too, is what is the skill set impact, right? And so if you're going to go down and integrate or sorry, bring new technology in, what skills are you displacing? What skills do you yes. need to develop and what skills can you transition, right? We, we know there's, there's a gap right now in Alberta where there isn't enough uh, talent to fill, you know, some 2,000 tech roles, for example, in this province. Yeah, yeah that, num- right? that number gets thrown around quite right? regularly. And, you know, even Jim Gibson was mentioning that to us yesterday. Um, you know, most organizations don't believe they can hire all the talent that they need. So how do you... Mm-hmm put a plan in place to transition the talent that you have and repurpose the talent that you have into new areas to support whatever transformation you're going through. You can't, you can't start down this road without thinking about the implications to your people and your workforce. You have to be able to take that step and work through what, how you're going to make that transition and, you know, really have an honest uh, thought process around timelines. Right, just because they're in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I want it done. Yeah. So you you mean unrealistic timelines? Does that happen everywhere? Yeah, just because there's an app for something and you can download it in 30 seconds doesn't mean that uh, the the impacts yeah, yeah. can follow as quickly. Uh, something a little theme, a little sub theme. Like you know, we're here. We're we're all being very optimistic, and we're pro tech and we're pro innovation. Let's not forget that this is still some humans sitting there going. 
oh, is this going to, am I going to lose my job? Is yeah. this going to make me redundant? How is this going to phase that out? Like as an organization, like, it's easy to get excited about the, you know, and I try to be as a leader optimistic about the future, but some people go, whoa, hey, wait a second. Well, where does, where do, like, what's in it for me? Is this just like, and I think that it's so easy to underestimate that if you get excited about this change and how much, how good it's going to be. If you don't work through that, you've got, you know, a whole bunch of detraction happening before you even get out of the gate because you didn't manage that, the fear. And like fear is real and, and often irrational. <laughs> uh, absolutely. All right. And you know, I think the other one is the fear of learning new skills, especially depending on where you're at in your career and your organization yes. is announcing uh, some sort of transformation. Right. And so it's, it's, it, it, there's to your point it, the, the human side of any transformation is probably one of the most significant pieces. Right. In terms of application, implementation and execution, if you get your people with the right mindset and working into the heading in the right direction, you're going to succeed. If you don't get that taken care of first, you're in for a long haul. I appreciate that perspective. I'm just saying it out loud because I don't think we can say it enough or say it too much because I think it, you know, when I hear about something failing, if you bring it back, it was often because that work wasn't done up front. If I think of stories that I've talked to organizations that are like, hey, I didn't want to get into the details, but here's what really happened. That's often what it is. And not everyone was aligned. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't do your, your gap analysis on what talent you actually need. And you had a whole bunch of people being fearful of the change. So the learning kind of stops at that point, or you don't even create that opportunity. So I appreciate, you know, Laura, to your point, maybe a bit philosophical, maybe a bit that way, but we are humans and it's a bit messy and thinking about all this technology is great, but ultimately it's going to solve, it's got to solve human problems with humans involved to move our organizations forward. So to hear you guys are thinking about it and approaching it that way and having those dialogues, like to me, that's very optimistic. Because I think we're only going to get better at that over time because this is happening like insanely quickly for, for people as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think it goes at every level of the organization. You know, if I think about our major industries in the province, which are, you know, the biggest employers are energy and healthcare. I mean, leaders have always been rewarded for safety. Right. In this province, we, you know, and and not to say that that they shouldn't have been and and that's that's wrong. But if you think about, Mm -hmm. you know, needing to go through a big change or be a little bit more, I guess, uh, innovative, you know, we we're not in tune to that as as leaders right now in this province. So stepping outside of that and thinking about, well, how do I still keep my people safe? Um, But I kind of step outside of the safe zone in terms of how I'm innovating and leading my organization. I mean, it's it's a big shift for leaders as well so you know we're recognizing that and and we're you know i mean with the new school uh the school for advanced digital technology i think state has proven we're all in right in terms of helping the province <laughs> yes you got yes you yeah, yes you yeah, have we, absolutely we, we yes you have with both feet kudos to you guys for yeah, that absolutely. so i mean you know we're here to support an industry through that and and you know we've we've had a lot of discussions around how we can how we can do that and 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 where the some of the barriers are and and you know like i said we're we're all in at at how do we support all levels of the organization going forward no, I really appreciate that. And I just literally pictured the state pushing other chips. We're all in across the table as you said that, which is, which is that it is that teamwork between, you know, academia, everything we need, we've got to do it together, which is part of this podcast of bringing together groups that maybe don't always 
always kind of sit in the same room to hear you guys are doing that on a regular basis, like monthly, weekly phone calls all the time. To me, that is the only way we're going to move forward with a solution that does match what we need as, as we figure it out. So with that said, what is the best way to get a hold of you guys? I haven't, I, I know I could go online and find Saint, but if I want a little bit more, like I want to get on a call with Craig, I want to get on a call with Laura to really talk about and, ha- and kind of hash out what I'm going through. What's the best way to reach out to you guys? Well, you, you hit the first one on the head, sate.ca and then corporate training. But you know, I'm all over over LinkedIn. I'm at, on Twitter as well at Craig Hess. You can certainly reach out to me there. Uh, on either one of those platforms, you will find if you reach out to me on LinkedIn and connect with me on LinkedIn, I will accept and I will follow up with you there. So it's true. That's how Craig and I, that's how we started dating. We've met on LinkedIn. That's how, that's how, it, how most of my business, my business dating relationships go. LinkedIn is usually plays a part in it. Yeah. For sure. And I would, I would uh, agree with Craig. Um, uh, LinkedIn's probably the best way for me as well. And, and, you know, just to note, my name is spelled the lazy way. So it's L O R A. If you're looking, thank you for clarifying. I had spelled it wrong a couple times. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I think, if I was going to improve LinkedIn, I think they would be better at the misspellings. (laughs) I find they're like punish me a little bit for not. Google teaches you you can spell it kind of, sort of, and you're good. Where LinkedIn, I find, is very disciplined with the spelling. I'm like, I don't know how to spell people's last names. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, sorry. That's my little. That's there's my you know user experience uh, (laughs) feedback for for, for LinkedIn. I'm sure they're somehow listening. But thank you so. Thank you both for coming on today. I really appreciate the candor and the honesty and more more importantly, the great work that you guys are doing to bring this amazing province and all of our organizations forward. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. 